Hello, and welcome to the RBC Global Asset Management Navigator Podcast. My name is Brian Fairhurst, Managing Director at RBC GAM. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Tim Muindi, Treasurer of ServiceNow, a publicly traded cloud-based platform company. In today's episode of The Navigator, we're going to be talking with Tim about how ServiceNow achieved their goal of building wealth and driving community revitalization in Black communities through impact investing. After the murder of George Floyd in 2020, Tim felt the need to help build equitable opportunities for underserved BIPOC communities. Side note, BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, People of Color, with a focus predominantly on Black communities. And he had a compelling idea, invest $100 million in Black communities where the company has direct ties. Tim presented the opportunity to ServiceNow CFO and members of the board, and in January 2021, the company created what they refer to as the ServiceNow Racial Equity Fund. Investing $100 million with RBC GAM, who manages the investment strategy on behalf of ServiceNow as a custom, institutional, separately managed account. This account was created with the goal to drive more sustainable wealth creation by funding home ownership, entrepreneurship, and neighborhood revitalization within Black communities. The ServiceNow investment supports community development efforts in multiple cities across the country, focusing on facilitating loans to small businesses operating in low-income neighborhoods. In addition, I'd like to highlight the fact that recently, the San Francisco Business Times recognized ServiceNow CFO Gina Mastentono as CFO of the Year for the Large Public Company category, and Tim as CFO Rising Star, both exceptional rewards that we believe are justly deserved. Congrats on that, Tim, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be with you. We're looking forward to hearing about your experiences at ServiceNow and how your efforts are helping to increase the flow of capital to the communities that need it most. Before we get into the Q&A, though, I want to help set the stage a bit more for our listeners with a timeline. It was late summer 2020 when we first started talking about this in earnest, August, September timeframe. It was a pretty tumultuous time. Wildfires were raging across California. We're both here in the Bay Area, and I recall talking frequently about how much smoke there was in the air at any given day. There was even that one day where the sun didn't rise and we had that weird, eerie twilight glow all day. This was several months after the George Floyd tragedy. Black Lives Matter's protests were continuing across much of the U.S. And it was also eight months into the global pandemic, where by mid-August that year, the CDC was reporting that U.S. COVID-19 deaths were exceeding 1,000 per day. So with that backdrop, let's dive into some questions. How did ServiceNow start this journey? to align balance sheet investments with your corporate goals around diversity and social impact. What were the catalysts? George Floyd, clearly, others? Yeah, so, so Brian, um, just kind of going back to your timeline, uh, that actually feels like it was so long ago. Um, and, and it's only about three, <laughs> three years ago. Um, you know, but, but thanks for setting the stage, um, stage with that. But I think as you mentioned in the intro, um, after George Floyd's murder in, in 2020, around May 2020, I know, you know, with my family, we were sitting and watching the video and the coverage for, you know, several days. And, and for some reason, it actually hit me really hard um, because it just seemingly happened so casually and in broad daylight. Uh, and I think it was at that point, um, I just began to wonder, is like, what can I do? Um, to influence change, right? So, you know, one of the topics that I know we've been talking about for a while was, you know, some of the um, kind of systemic issues that, you know, have really played a big role in the wealth disparity, especially between, um, you know, blacks and whites. And I was, as I was researching, one of the books that I actually came across was The, um, the Call of Money 
block banks and the ratio wealth gap. And for me, that was super eye-opening um, because it provided really great insight into a lot of the structural issues that have historically just contributed to the wealth gap. And so later on, um, I know we had discussions during the summertime, um, but I know one of the things that really, you know, really crystallized for me was a report that came out in September of 2020. Um, and this went through a process of quantifying the economic impact of black inequality or in the U.S. over the last 20 years. And they put the cost of this black inequality at about $16 trillion and I think over the last 20 years. And just for perspective, um, 2022, the U.S. GDP was $25 trillion. So you can see like that's a huge impact, um, you know, or, or economic opportunity that's been lost. And so, and then when I think about just not only just the um, the dollars themselves, but just about the the missed opportunities just to transform just millions of Black lives, right? And when I looked at what are some of the underlying reasons for this inequality was mostly either lack of or limited access to capital, um, especially in Black communities. And we're talking about capital for like home ownership, you know, starting a business, um, you know, further education, right? And so for me, this is kind of where it, the light bulb, I'd say, went off for me, where I saw a direct link between my role as treasurer and really our focus on capital whether it's accessing capital or deploying capital. And so this is where I saw that opportunity to leverage uh, a part of ServiceNow investment portfolio to become a provider of capital to help close this racial wealth gap. That's great background and uh, some very sobering context about the, uh, the impetus for this investment. We don't have time today to get into all the mechanics of the investment, but clearly this needed to meet some rigid balance sheet criteria while providing a competitive return for you all. And it needed to have tangible impact. I'll never forget the phrase you used when you said you were looking for high quality impact investments. What would have the most impact compared to other options you were considering that either didn't go far enough or didn't align well with your liquidity needs? Right. So it was, it was actually a process kind of thinking through in terms of how do we go about at least the idea that I had in terms of providing capital. Um, and part of how we've looked at our balance sheet is, you know, how do we First of all, just balance risk, but also, um, you know, manage a competitive return. But in this case, it was a little bit different because I was thinking more about impact and not just mm -hmm. impact today, but sustainable impact. Right. So when I thought about, um, you know, essentially what, how should we be thinking about this and how should we think about it different from our regular investment portfolio? having an impact was number one. And then in terms of where are we going to have that impact? And I know we'll talk about that in, 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 in a little bit, uh, but you know, that's how I approached it. Um, and so the way we're gonna make impact, whether it's through, you know, through home ownership or whether it's providing you know, affordable housing, um, rental housing, uh, business loans, right? And so those are what I thought about creating tangible, meaningful impact um, that's also sustainable. Right. And so that's that's where I saw the opportunity, um, you know, to to drive to drive this, um, you know, at least this strategy. That's great. Talk a bit about the engagement, internal engagement around this idea, socializing it, getting buy in. I know you and I had quite a few late evening phone calls, getting you the key data points you needed to present. Uh, and I think it would be helpful for others to hear a bit more about that process. 
Sure. Um, you know, as I was thinking about it and just the commitment, um, actually using ServiceNow's balance sheet as, as a commitment to, you know, to, to, to this investment, um, I kind of went back to one thing that always anchors me and a lot of us here at ServiceNow is we're here to make the world work for everyone, right? And so that became my anchor point. And so as I thought about it, it's like, hey, you know, when I bring these ideas forward, it's got to go back to that particular purpose, right? And so when I started formulating the idea, um, I could tell you, like, I was actually even nervous to bring it to um, to our CFO because that's the first person I had to sell it to. Um, you know, I had sleepless nights sometimes just thinking about it. It's like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Uh, but my gut kept telling me, it's like, this is something that you have to do. Um, this is an opportunity and ServiceNow is really well positioned to make an impact, right? And so as I thought through it, you know, I put the businesses together, right? I told you, I kind of read the, you know, I had the, I had read the book, The Color of Money. I had um, also, you know, read that report that came out in September of 2020, just talking about black inequality and the causes of it. And then also tying it back to how do we use our balance sheet today? Right. Um, and one of the things I thought about is like, hey, some of the securities we actually buy for our portfolio is like we're actually providing capital. And so try to frame it in that sense that in many ways we're providers of capital. And this is a great opportunity for us to actually use some of our capital to really make a huge impact in a lot of people's lives. Um, so I so I put my businesses together and I kind of went to Gina and said, Gina, I have a great idea. I think here's um, here's a way I think we can make impact. And I outlined is like, what are the three areas, right? And I was really thinking about it more from a wealth creation uh, perspective. And so um, I really emphasize on home ownership because that's the number one way that Americans build wealth. And then when you look at in terms of there's a huge gap between, you know, Blacks who own their own um, homes versus, you know, whites who own their own homes. It's a huge, it's a huge gap. And so I said, like, hey, we have a we have a really unique opportunity here to to be able to make a difference, because as they build wealth, this becomes how they're able to not only fund the educa their own education, education of their kids, and for generations, um, but it, they can also use it to start businesses. Right, you could take equity out of your home and use it to to start a business, or sometimes even for your own health. Some, you know, healthcare is it's expensive, and so this can be a way that they can, you know, find capital to be able to take care of some of their health issues or even some of their extended family's, um, you know, healthcare needs. So that's how I phrased it, and so I said that's probably a big chunk of it. And then I walked her through um, just affordable rental housing units. Right. So you have a lot of people who either don't want to buy a home. Right. But they but they need an affordable place that they can live and be able to take care of themselves and take care of their families. Um, and so as I was going through that, you know, I could see it was starting to resonate with her. And then I said the third pillar really is thinking about just community revitalization itself. So think about this being. Hey, we have, um, you know, families living in communities, you know, do they have parks? You know, what's the type of environment they're growing up in? Right. And so this is, you know, across the board, it's like it's something that actually makes a difference um, in a lot of people's lives. I know it makes a big difference in mind when you're able to go out and you have a park close to you and you can just go take a walk or there's trails. Right. So all those types of things, um, you know, just go towards the betterment of um you know, people's, people's lives, 
right? That in in most cases don't don't get that opportunity. Um, and, and if I could just go back to just the home ownership and the equity piece of it, um, the one thing we had a discussion about um, with Gina was really thinking about how do we kind of drive more of a multiplier effect throughout our investment, right? So you think about, you know, especially when you look at, you know, some, you know, some of the really, you know, underserved black communities, you tend, you tend not to see, say, some of the big box stores, right? You don't have those types of anchor stores that come in and provide employment. Um, and that's a lot of it is like, hey, they're living mostly in rental properties, and as you're living in a rental property, you're not doing any, you know, not doing any remodeling, right? You're not doing any of those type of projects that would attract, um, you know, you know, say, you know, one of those large, large um, home improvement stores to your neighborhood. But the more you, own, you know, for people who own a home, if you're living in a neighborhood where people own homes, right, you do more of those projects, right? And the more you do those projects, that means you attract those businesses and those businesses provide employment. And a lot of what happens here in the U.S. is a lot of our schools are funded by local property taxes. So the value of those homes go up, right? Especially if you own the home, the value of those homes go up. And what it does now is like now it starts creating this multiply effect. So you're, you're providing employment. People are having capital to start businesses and so on. So it just kind of circulates within, within the community itself. So I think kind of putting, you know, that whole... Uh, kind of business case together as a, as an opportunity. Um, I, I think it all went a long ways in terms of um, at least getting Gina on board. And she was very enthusiastic about it, by the way. And so she's like, no, let's go for it. But the first thing we have to do, obviously, is get through the audit committee who has oversight, um, you know, essentially of all the financial activities. And and so we had had the conversation with them. They were extremely supportive. And they were like, let's go. Let's go get it, get this done. And so that's when we kind of started pulling, you know, the other, you know, other um, teams into place. So getting our DNI team and then getting especially our people team, you know, because one of the things that we had said, I'd, you know, proposed like, hey, let's focus on where we have a lot of our employees where they live and work. Let's impact those communities so that, that you know, that impact is in, in places where we have a presence. And so our people team was involved in terms of getting the data and, you know, an understanding of like, where are our people? Um, and, you know, and then that's what we use as a target. So there's a lot of teams involved and also the communications team, right, in terms of like, hey, how do we want to, you know, you know position this um, so that not only, you know, we drive awareness, but also the impact that we're also trying to drive. So there's a lot of coordination um, across the board just to be able to get this off the ground. A lot of coordination. Yeah. Uh, I want to circle right. back on that phrase you used, the multiplier effect, which is yeah. crucial. Particularly when you're talking about how limited the amount of capital is that's already focused on these underserved communities. So creating vibrant, thriving communities is uh, is absolutely essential to have that magnifier, multiplier effect. We could cover that topic on an entirely different <laughs> podcast. Yep. So you mentioned Gina, you mentioned your audit team. Who are some of the other key stakeholders involved in the vetting process? Maybe a diversity team, CSR team. And were there major milestones for getting approval? Um, so most of the, the approval actually happened up front, right? So when, you know, kind of walking Gina through it and then she, she obviously walked through the executive through, through the idea. And then, um, we worked with the audit committee to get that, that final approval. 
Um, and so that was where I'd say the approval process was. The rest of it was more the execution. It's like, how do we go get this done, right? So how do we operationalize this? And that's where, you know, we called it, pulled in the people team, right? Understanding is like, okay, where are, um, you know, where do we have the concentrations of, of, of our, 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 you know, our folks, right? And so that was, you know, that, they were a big part of it. And like I said, the same thing with the communications team, right? In terms of like, hey, okay, how do we position ourselves um, or how do we position and talk about the fund itself? What is it, right? And so there's a, the questions that come along with it as to what are we trying to accomplish? You know, why are we doing this? Um, and how do we expect to drive in impact, right? So those are all things that we had to pull all the teams together to make sure that we're all on, on the same page as we get ready to launch the fund. So you did your homework. You got up the nerve yep. to pitch the idea to your CFO. Yep. You got approval from the C-suite, your board, your audit committee, your mm -hmm. diversity team. You got approval for the idea. Tell us a bit about the manager selection process. What were some of the criteria you used to select an investment manager to partner with and manage this racial equity fund for you? Yeah, um, so good question. So that actually came even before I went to GM. Um, to look to get there to get approval, and so as you know, having the concept in my in in my head as to here's where we I think we can make an impact. There was a lot of discussions with a lot of our you know banking partners, um, investment managers, and just things like, hey, here's the idea that I have. Um, how can we go execute it? You know, what have you done in this space that can really help us be successful in meeting our objectives? And so I spent countless hours and just you know on the phone just having these discussions with 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 these different banking partners and it was a, a lot of them were just kind of starting to think about it but nobody really had a track record as to we've done this before or we can find a way to you know kind of take sort of like your idea and um, utilize already what we have right infrastructure to be able to achieve the goals Right. And I think that's how we ended up with um, with RBC GAM kind of said, hey, had a track track record of 20 years, right, doing impact investing, but not, you know, a different flavor of it. But here's something we could use the infrastructure that we can use to really get to, um, you know, our objectives. Right. So that's the and, and that's how I use that and said, like, well, if we're going to go execute this before I get approval, I have to make sure that we can actually make this happen. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And uh, here we are two and a half years later with yeah. your live racial equity fund and yeah. Access Capital uh, just each reached its 25th year anniversary, actually. it's awesome. Congratulations. It's been my Thank you. Yep. You've been a big part of it. Let's go back to the initial allocation targets. You talked a bit about what ServiceNow wanted to prioritize in terms of your impact goals yeah. geographically, demographically, and thematically. Um, but how has the portfolio evolved over time since that initial allocation? Um, so it actually hasn't changed much from initial allocation. So, you know, we're always targeted that, always targeted that um, home ownership would be the primary um, investment that we would make. That's where we would focus on impact. And, and kind of goes back to where is the wealth, where can we maximize wealth creation? And that comes from home ownership. So we've had... I'd say probably close to 85, 90% of the portfolio just allocated to home ownership, right? You can imagine that's also, you know, when you think about buying a home, usually it's, you're going to be your largest need of capital is to, to, to buy your home. And so that's what we saw like, Hey, there's a, there's a big opportunity, opportunity there. And then we also, you know, had, you know, 
good percentage also of the of the remaining just focused on affordable um, rental housing units. Um, and then the other piece of it on, on, on small businesses. So being able to provide loans to um, small business, no, so either, either looking to expand their business or just to even, um, you know, start their business. So that's, th those are, I'd say, those are the two other areas that we focused on. And so has, hasn't, cha hasn't changed much. And as you can, as, as you can imagine, obviously home ownership is a long term. So it's not something that's, you know, turning over that, that, that often. And so that's why the allocation hasn't changed much since, since the beginning. That makes sense. The home ownership key uh, focus makes a lot of sense. As you mentioned, the home ownership and equity in our residents being the number one source of wealth creation in America. Right. Also, there's a nice tie in with home ownership and small business entrepreneurship because many times the collateral a business owner will put up to get a small business loan is equity in a primary residence. So right. they're inextricably linked. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the feedback you've had. Now that you've got two years plus of live investment and stories, what, what's some of the key feedback from your stakeholders so far? Um, so it's been, uh, I'd say, very positive, uh, very positive feedback. And what we've we focused on was being able to tell the stories, right? So focusing on impact, what type of impact are we having? Right. And so when we, you know, we do a, you know, a quality review, um, you know, with, 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 with Gina and other stakeholders, and we just kind of walk through and just says like, hey, so what does our allocation look like? Right. Where are we having this, this impact? And so that's where we walk through is like, hey, how many, how many mortgages have we helped fund? How many rental units? How many small businesses have we uh, provided capital to? And so providing that has been um, very, impactful um you know when when we get the feedback from stakeholders that we're actually making a, a a big difference but i think what's really resonated um with the stakeholders and was one of our um initial you know uh, objectives was to really target the low to moderate income homeowners right because those are the ones that are highly marginalized don't have access to capital um or when they get access to capital they either end up with predatory loans, right? Which sometimes they can't afford and it doesn't lead to wealth creation. It actually leads more to wealth destruction, right? So it kind of puts them in, in a worse place off. So I think being able to show um, part of that and when we look at things like home ownership where essentially like almost 98% of the borrowers made you know, less than 80% of the area's median income, right? And then all our, you know, 100% of our affordable housing units, about 2,300 of them, they're all, you know, when you look at the, the makeup, it's very low to moderate income. So making a difference on, uh, on that end. And so those are some of the things that we focused on telling the stories. And then the, the feedback has been, you know, I'm glad we did this. It looks like we're making great, great strides. Um, and then we also being able to demonstrate, you know, quite a bit as to, you know, wealth creation, how much wealth are people creating the borrowers creating especially from from a home ownership perspective and um you know the report that we um that was put out i think you know just a couple months ago just showing the two years two plus years that we've had this program in place or, or, or this fund in place it's returned on average about you know 80 almost 86 87,000 for each homeowner Right, so they've built about 20% equity. And when I do the math in my head with about 360 mortgages, that's about 30 million in wealth creation. So being able to demonstrate that we're have actually having this impact 
um, you know, has really solidified um, the support around um, the fund itself. That's really compelling. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the stories. I mean, the stories are really the proof. They're the throughput yeah. of this portfolio yeah. to show that you actually are aligning balance sheet assets with those goals in a tangible way. Are there other uh, specific stories that have resonated with you? Yeah. So um, uh, there's one uh, small business um, in Southern California. His name is Dan Lyons. You know, he's been a pharmacist. Uh, I believe he was a third generation pharmacist in his family. And he, this was in 2020. And he had just opened his, you know, his own pharmacy. And he was really, and that, if you like he said at the beginning, right in the like he was right there with COVID, right at the beginning, and so he was just starting this this business. So, um, so he was just using a lot of his own capital to fund, um, you know, his his new business. And so he had gone to you know banks, tried to get loans, could not get loans. He went to the um, small business administration, the SBA. You know, they couldn't you know couldn't give him any funding because he didn't have any you know numbers on his books to sh you know to show for it because he had just started the business. Um, and that's when. You know, at the same time, that's when we were, you know, the fund, um, you know, was, you know, when we in 21, it's like we came through and he had just actually almost exhausted all his savings, just trying to keep his his pharmacy alive. And and so when the you know, when we launched the fund now, he was able to have access to, uh, you know, to capital. And so he got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan and he says it actually saved his business. And he actually was able to provide um, a really critical service to the people in his neighborhood because it was a, also a pretty low income neighborhood. And so this is where he was in the COVID vaccinations, right? So now people in the neighborhood that would probably have had to travel, you know, 15, 20 miles away or even probably further to be able to get um, vaccinations. Now they had it in, in their neighborhood. And so just kind of one of, that's one of the stories where it's like, it made not it was just not more of a financial, but you look at the broader impact, right? Being in the way he's he was able to impact his community. Um, and to just be able to get through that uncertainty of what you know, I've exhausted my my savings. Um, I can't do any marketing, I can't get any funding from 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 the banks or or from the government. And so this was almost like, you know, uh last resort is like, hey, where else am I gonna get funding? Right. And so just, you know. Above all that, I think that's the that that that's been one of the really compelling stories that that's come across. What an amazing story! It's yes. so cool that you were able to have him come address the the broad employee base at one of your town yeah. halls. And yeah, you know, that story it, it it reminds me of the multiplier effect concept you mentioned earlier. There's the financial multiplier effect, but right. this sounds more like a human multiplier effect. You helped a business owner, and that spread out into the community in a time of historical crisis. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, you know, when we say we want to make the world work for everyone, that's, that this is part, that's the whole part of it, right? Kind of going back to that, um, you know, key theme, the purpose of why we're doing this, right? It's not just for the business owner, but it's just for the broader community. Tim, we spent a good amount of time talking about the key stakeholders who were involved in vetting and approving this process and some of the feedback they've had but what about the broader employee base? What's been the engagement with your fellow ServiceNow employees? Yeah, so um, we actually had um, Dan Lyons um, come and speak to us at a, at a town hall meeting. And just for him describing what he went through 
um, his situation. And, you know, essentially he was at the end and he was almost closing his business. And the impact that he had, especially at that time, was like the, you know, the need for vaccinations and just being able to provide those vaccinations to his community that could either not get um, access to them or access was going to be very, you know, it was going to be difficult to get to. Um, and so for the employees, just being able to hear his story and the impact um, was very meaningful for a lot of them um, because they could actually relate to it. And even more importantly, it's like they could see themselves in the community, right? They could feel that this is actually happening in my community, right? So it could be any business that they've had, but this one was very specific, um, you know, to this particular community. So I think that really resonated with employees um, and I got really positive feedback. And actually they're like, we want more of that. Right. It's like we want to hear more of those stories. Right. Because it just drives a deeper connection and engagement with employees. That deeper connection is amazing. It, it takes it away from just being a data point or a soundbite and, and shows Absolutely. the nature of it. Absolutely. That's fantastic. It, it, it becomes more than just dollars, but just impact itself. Right. It's, it's essentially just show the human side of, of the impact that we're having. You're putting your money where your mouth is. That's right. amazing. Yeah. Again, Tim, that's a compelling story to be able to put a, a human face to it and, and take it out of the statistical and, and really see that you had an impact on an individual and a community is, is just fantastic. So you've gotten great feedback. It's met your investment needs so far. It's working towards your goal of helping build thriving communities in predominantly black areas in America. Looking back now, what, if anything, would you do differently if you had to do it again? I'd say I, I would have done it sooner. Right. Um, and part of that is just, you know, there's certain things that actually trigger action. Uh, but this was actually an opportunity that was just in front of me. Right. And sometimes you just have an opportunity that's just sitting right in front of you. And it just, you just, sometimes you just don't see it. Um, and, and being able to leverage the, the balance sheet in the way we did. Um, but I'd say probably, what do I do differently? I'd probably ask for more money. You know, hundred million is a big number, but it's like just seeing how impactful it's been and just the level of need that's out there, right? Uh, I think having a, even a larger commitment, I think we could have continued to make even more impact, right? So I, I think that's the one thing I'd say, but I don't think I'd really change anything about the structure itself and the areas we decided to target. I think those are the right areas we decided to target. And it's bearing out in just, you know, like some of the stories, impact stories I just just shared with you and, you know, what we're seeing from a wealth creation, um, you know, perspective with, you know, with, with home loans and just being able to provide, you know, affordable rental units, uh, you know, for, you know, for folks that, you know, may otherwise not be able to, you know, to get those opportunities to, you know, just live better lives for themselves and for their families. So invest sooner and invest more. That's invest, the key yes, takeaway. Exactly. Yep. There's a lot of need. So there's no doubt. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. Now, Tim, I know you've been a big advocate of uh, this concept of targeted place-based impact investments within the balance sheet amongst your peers in the treasury community. What advice would you give or would you have for other treasury teams who may be looking to do something like this right now? And conversely, what might you tell a team that hasn't yet considered some type of investment like this? Great question. So, but, you know, like you said, um, big advocate. And um, I always take the opportunity every time I can get it just to talk about impact, 
right? Um, and that's that's you know one thing was like whether it's talking with my peers or whether it's in, in um, you know when we have like peer group meetings or whatever the case might be, I always find that opportunity. And um, I know you know a couple of, of my peers have actually um, kind of jumped in, um, you know, just even just a few months ago uh, with similar type of investments. Um, but what I'd say is like, hey, you might not work for a company that can actually make a hundred million dollar investment, right? But what I what I'd say is like, you know, you could still make a difference. It doesn't have to be a hundred, right? It could be, you know, five, ten. It could be, you know, I think it's just you have to be creative about it. Like, like I said, it's like I didn't know what I was, you know, at the beginning, it's like, well, I don't know, but I have an idea. Um, and so it was like, well, what should that look like? And so it's just having the conversations and figuring out is like, here's where I think we're well positioned as a company, um, you know, to be able to either become part of a, you know, um, a bigger, a, you know, a bigger cause, right? Like, you know, could like, hey, we could just pull together with, you know, with different different entities. Maybe that's how you make you you, you find a way to make an impact. Um, but sometimes it's sitting right in front of you. Like I said, it's like God, this this was sitting right there, and I just did not see it, right? And so just be on the lookout, you know, for diff for different areas. Um, so I, I think that's what I'd probably um, say, and, and and then just get out there and just understand is like what is, you know, where are some of these opportunities? Where are the inequalities, right? Um, because it's 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 such a it has a, such a long historical. Um, I should, or I should say, it's like it, it's a it's a structural issue. L lack of access to capital or limited access to capital, it's a, been a structural issue for a long time. I think educating yourself on what are some of the key drivers of, um, you know, these inequalities. I think that's what now starts, to, and that's how it opened my mind up as to, you know, where can we make an impact. Right. Um, and just spending time just talking to, um, you know, like to your peers. I think that's that, you know, that that I either thinking about it, have done it, you know. And like I said, I'm always willing to, um, you know, have conversations because we can show the impact that we've had so far. Right. And then also we've already gone through the process, going through the approvals, going through the sleepless nights in terms of how do I go sell this or how do I even put this together? It's like don't have to recreate the wheel. Um, right. And so kind of sharing, you know, I, you know, I'm always happy to share my experiences on, you know, on how to go, you know, how to go about it. Right. So I think that's how I'd, um, you know, that, that would be my call to action. Well, that's fantastic. I think, uh, ending the podcast with a call to action feels like the right way to wrap up this, uh, this conversation, which clearly we could dedicate a two hour episode and, and not even really scratch the surface on, um, the process you went through the investments you funded and the throughput and, and the proof points. But Tim, thank you very much for your time today. I hope our conversation has helped inform our listeners in the investment community as to just what really is possible with place-based impact investing and how it can help revitalize the communities that need it the most. Thanks, Brian. Um, obviously, I'm really passionate about um, just, you know, just this topic um, in general. And it's really good to have, the, you know, have this time to have this conversation. And uh, like I said, I'm always I'm always open and um, you know ready to have just uh, you know discussions about you know how you can also make an impact. Well, thanks again, Tim. Your passion clearly came through, and we appreciate your time. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the Navigator. It's been our pleasure.
To listen to past episodes and be notified when future episodes are released, follow The Navigator on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This podcast is provided by RBC Global Asset Management, RBC GAM, for informational purposes and may not be reproduced, distributed, or published without the written consent of RBC GAM. This podcast does not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or to sell any security product or service in any jurisdiction, nor is it intended to provide investment, financial, legal accounting, tax, or other advice, and such information should not be relied or acted upon for providing such advice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This product is not available for distribution to investors in jurisdictions where such distribution would be prohibited. Investment and economic outlook information has been compiled by RBC GAM from various sources. Information obtained from third parties is believed to be reliable, but no representation or warranty expressed or implied is made by RBC GAM or its affiliates or any persons as to its accuracy, completeness, or correctness. RBC GAM and its affiliates assume no responsibility for any errors or omissions.